Blind Living Radio is brought to you by HP ink and toner cartridges, precision engineered to work together with your HP printer. Industries for the Blind presents Blind Living Radio, where you'll hear interesting topics, fun stories, and important news about our blind and visually impaired community. It's time now for Blind Living Radio. Hello, everyone. Welcome to Blind Living Radio. I'm live in the HP studio. My name is Harley Thomas, and I'm joined by Jesse Vega. Hello, Jesse. Hello there, Harley. You know what? We have someone else in the studio, too, don't we? Right oh, now. we got our my dog, Nyla. Nyla. Nyla's <laughs> cuddled on my feet right now. The attention. She loves the attention. She loves the attention. Her tail's wagging, so we'll probably hear it in the microphones as, as the day goes on. Give her a treat, treat, and she'll be do good I to, to go. Do I have to say treat, treat, or will she just like no. look for a treat? No, she looks for it. Who knows? She probably thinks my fingers are treats. Yeah, like they kind of look like sausages. Like a carrot. They look like sausages. Like a carrot? You know what? You're so kind. It's like a baby carrot, Jesse. <laughs> okay, all right. Like a baby carrot. All right, good. Just so our audience knows, uh, Jesse Vega is a blind inside sales customer service person at Industries for the Blind. And Jesse, yeah. I, I can't recall. Were you born without sight? No, I had sight, actually. You had sight? Yep, I had sight until 14 years old. And then at age 14? I lost it. I got hit in the eye. You got hit in the eye, and that's yep. how you lost it? Well, I got hit in the eye with a, this one kid was running down the hallway, and he hit me with his shoulder. And I didn't. that was in the evening time back in Janesville. And I went to bed with broken blood vessels. I didn't know it, though. I woke up the next day with no vision. In either eye? In my left eye, I had lost when I was three. So I still had my right eye. I had my right eye until 14, and then that's it. I've been pretty much blind since. How did you lose your sight when you were three? I had glaucoma. Glaucoma in one of the eyes? Yep, in my left eye. Well, I had it in both, but I lost it when I was three. So a freak accident, A freak basically. Accident. Yeah, yep. Took your one good eye. Right, correct. And I think you're very adept. Yeah, but, you know, it happened when I was young, so it, it was a lot easier to handle and to adapt to it. And I look at it as you get up every day, you come into work here, and you make a difference. Yeah, difference for myself. You know? Difference for yourself and others. I don't like to look at it that way, but you know, if other people look at you that way. I, I see you as one of the leaders here. Mm, you're just saying that, Mr. Harley. No, I'm not. No, I'm not, no, Mr. Vega. I, I don't look at it that way. I just, I'm... You're a regular guy. Yep. Well, I think being a regular guy, though, that's a big part of it, too, uh, right? Sir, yeah. I mean, sir. you want to be a regular guy. I do. Yep, I sure do. I want to be a regular guy. I think you want to be regular whether you're sighted or blind. Right. That's very true. Yep. I called you inside sales because you talk to a lot of customers and take care of what they need. I do. That's what's cool about it. Every day you come in here, you're you're a full-time employee, and you talk to people from where in the world, Jesse? I talk to from people here in Milwaukee to California, New York, even across the country. Anybody from Connecticut? Uh, we do talk to people in Connecticut. In Connecticut. Because our guest today is from Connecticut, 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 Connecticut. Yes, yes, great place. I like Connecticut. It's a good spot to be. And the reason I wanted to have you in the studio today, Jesse, is she is a sommelier, but also a Paralympic triathlete. Very, very exciting. And she's blind. That's even that's even nicer. And for a man without sight. In your earlier days, you were also a pair Olympian. Yep, I was a member of the at that at actually USABA, United States Association for Blind Athletes, and I was part of the 
chapter here in Wisconsin, which is WABA, Wisconsin Association for Blind Athletes. What was your event or events? Uh, well, actually, I did track and field was my main sport. I did that for quite a few years, and I got into the swimming thing, and I did. I went to Korea and uh, did swimming for Paralympics in 1988. Awesome. So you swam in the Paralympics, but you also did track and field? I did track and field in the other uh, championship games, and not for the Paralympics, just for the other world championship games. What was your event in track and field? I did the long distance. I did for like a mile or yeah, two I did, mile. Yeah, it was like a 400, I think. Oh, and That's the it worst was a, race It was ever. like a mile. I did the tandem run with some people that I knew there. They did tandem running with me. Sure. And I did the 600, which is kind of like a... Eh, one and a half laps. Yeah. I did short distances, but my main one was uh, running long distance. Now I just run to the refrigerator. <laughs> and That's to, all yes. I do now. And, and to the facilities, is that what you were going to say, Jesse? I was Jesse? thinking of that, yes. Is that what you were thinking, run to the facilities? I was thinking of that. Oh, man, everyone's a comedian. I love it. So why don't we try to get our guest, she's very nice, Amy Dixon, and we'll get her on the phone. She is in Connecticut. We'll dial her up and see if she can spend a few minutes with us, Jesse. Okay, great. like to speak to her. Hi, Amy. It's Harley Thomas at Blind Living Radio. How are you? Good. How are you, Harley? What's going on? Good. I am joined in studio, actually, with Jesse Vega. Say hi, Jesse. Hi, Amy. How are you? Good. How are you today? Good. Good. Good to talk to you. Jesse and I work together at Industries for the Blind, and he works in the Inside Sales Customer Service Group and has been blind since he was 14. Sorry to hear that, but it sounds like you're kicking butt. Oh, you got to. He is kicking butt every day. (laughs) (laughs) I love it. And you do that too as the number three cyclist in the world? Uh, Triathlete. Number three three triathlete in the world right now, yeah. Awesome. That's very. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. And I want to learn more about that, but... I know our producer really wanted me to ask you some questions about wine. <laughs> and and maybe a good baseline would be, can you share with the, the audience a little bit about how you lost your sight and how that adjustment from having sight to not having sight and your emotional state and kind of how that all worked? Sure, sure. Uh, the Cliff Notes version is that I started losing my vision when I was 22 years old to a rare autoimmune disease that causes uh, a loss of peripheral visual field. And it started, again, I had a sinus infection that apparently sent antibodies to my retina against my retina, and I I lost most of my peripheral vision, about 70% of it within a few months. And I was still legal to drive at that point, and I was paying my way to the University of Connecticut by working in the restaurant business at night as a sommelier. I really enjoyed my job uh, selling wine, and and at that point, it became very clear that I was not going to be able to be a blind pharmacist, which was which was what I was going to school for. You know, Vicodin, aspirin, it all feels the same, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) That would be challenging. Yeah, it'd be a little challenging. Of course, now with all the adaptive technology, I don't think it would be a problem. But you know, 18 years ago, it, it was. So the, you know, the plan B was to continue working in the wine industry, you know, and here I am 20 years later having a lot of success in the wine industry and really enjoy it. And it's something that somebody who's not sighted can do for the rest of their lives because I'm using my nose and my palate. So I went through, I went into remission after going on high doses of steroids to suppress my immune system and to combat the inflammation in my eyes. And I gained about uh, 60 pounds back then and eventually worked off that weight 
my my eye disease went into remission, but then again, years later, I got bronchitis and lost a little more vision. Was still driving, but sort of on the the edge of being legal. And I moved from working in the restaurant industry into retail wine because I couldn't drive at night anymore safely in order to get back and forth to the restaurant, and and, and I couldn't see in low lighting. So I um, continued working in retail up until five years ago when, again, I got sick. I got bronchitis again, and it wiped out most of my remaining vision. I'm down to about two, about five degrees of visual field out of a, out of a normally sighted person as 180 degrees of peripheral vision from right to left. I've got five degrees left, which translates to about 2% of usable vision. So, yeah, stopped drive, turned in my driver's license, went through chemotherapy and steroids to suppress my immune system. And that worked to a point, but then wasn't enough. So I had surgery to put implants of steroids directly into my eye. And that did work, but eventually it led to a very aggressive form of glaucoma. So I'm losing the rest of my vision to glaucoma at this point. I've had 19 surgeries in four years. But during that time, I decided that I wanted to get fit again. I was sick of being fat from or overweight from all the steroids that they had put me on to, to treat my eye disease and decided to get back in the pool and start swimming again like I had in high school and college and eventually discovered that uh, I might be good at triathlons. So you really put your mind to this and you said, this is what I'm going to do and you just did it. Well, Sounds yeah. Like. Well, it was sort of a happy accident. <laughs> Literally, I, I like I said, I hopped back in the pool because I was my with that much extra weight on me. It was I really wanted to go back to running because I knew that running was going to be the fastest way for me to lose weight. But my body hurt so much from the extra weight, and just because of my disease is actually a whole body autoimmune disease. So I, my eye disease is just one symptom of it. I have a lot of other medical issues. So running was too painful. So I thought, well, I can get in the pool. It's not going to hurt. And so I lost. You know, 10, 15 pounds in the pool by doing laps and then eventually started hopping on a stationary bike and that didn't hurt too bad and lost a little more weight there until finally I was lighter and could safely run without hurting my knees and my hips too much and and started running again. And it was, like I said, it was a happy accident because, you know, I was swimming, biking, and running indoors at my local YMCA and through social media, there's a, a veterans group called Team Red, White, and Blue. Uh, this woman, Carolyn Gaynor, had, had seen me on social media and said, hey, you're swimming, biking, and running indoors. Have you ever thought about doing a triathlon? I said, well, that's crazy. Blind people can't do triathlons. I, I wouldn't want to do a triathlon. That I just said, sounds oh God, scary, God, Jesse. Oh, my God, really dangerous. <laughs> yeah. what, what was so, your motivation, Amy? What was, was your... The, just a weight or just a you? At that point, I just wanted to feel, you know, I felt very isolated when I, you because know, I didn't really know any other visually impaired people growing up. I wasn't in my circle or wheelhouse at all. I don't think I'd even met anybody who was visually impaired. And so, I mean, it's interesting. I, I felt like I lived in this bubble. You know, I, 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 what happened was a friend of mine, her neighbor was blind and he had a guide dog and she had given me his number to give him a call. And I was like, I'm, you know, I didn't think of myself as blind. Yeah, you know, I was doing most of the things that I used to do. So you know, I just didn't want to be, I wasn't ready to be called a blind person. So I was in denial, even though I was, and I was falling downstairs and bumping into things and, you know, accidentally dropping things on people's laps and, you know, all the things that I do because I have low vision. And, but again, I just didn't think of myself as being there. And then finally, when I picked up the phone and made that phone call to him and said, Hey, how does this whole thing work? What is the deal with a cane? What is the thing with a dog? How do I use my computer? What does all this stuff look like? And, and that's, he opened up a whole new world to me. And, and I was so grateful. I don't think that's too uncommon. We hear that story a lot, don't we, Jesse, from time, folks that yeah, we meet? We hear it all the time. People are just in denial of maybe using the cane. They don't want to look. Like they're weird to other people. 
in right. public. And Jesse, Jesse has a guide dog also. I do have a guide you dog. Do. Do. You do. You do. Where's your dog from? The CNI in New Jersey. Oh, wonderful. How long have you guys been partners? Uh, this is my third dog, and we've been together. It'll be 11 years, and it'll be 11 years in May. 11 years with this dog? With this dog, yep, and she'll be retiring. Wow. She'll be retiring on her birthday, I, May 17th. Oh, my gosh. That's amazing. Yeah. She must be a rock star to oh, be working for 11 years as a guide dog. Yeah, my last dog, I had her. I worked her for 14 and a half. She lived 16 and a half years, so. Holy cannoli. Yep. Wow. That's amazing. You must be uh, an incredible guide dog user to have your dog live and last so long. That's that's a, that's a huge testament of your care of your dog. I think the main thing is you have to depend on it, not any of your sight. Just depend on the dog's movement and where she's guiding you. You have to, you have to let go and trust. You have to trust it very much. So it's your partner. Yeah, it's, and that's it's one of the bigger challenges of someone like myself who is partially sighted. You know, is to not try to override the dog. It's That's one of the right. things that they really caution us about when they're when we're training with our dogs. Is that you know you may see something and start anticipating and and o- trying to overrule the dog. I've learned the hard way that that's a really bad decision because the dog is usually seeing something that you're not. You know, a great example is after Hurricane Sandy, I went to leave my apartment here and I walked down the sidewalk and I told my dog to go forward and he refused and I couldn't figure out why he was refusing and I thought like sometimes if he's really feeling excited and he really just wants to get a treat he'll just stop and sit on the sidewalk and look at me like hey aren't i awesome don't Feed i deserve me. a treat right we're... right 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 so i thought he was faking me out and i asked him to go forward again and he refused and all of a sudden he took me out into the middle of the street and then and then around this big loop and then back to the sidewalk and i couldn't figure out why and i get back to the sidewalk and some lady passed me and i asked her i said do you know what's going on over there on the sidewalk she goes oh there's a power line down wow. i went oh wow. my god so she, and she goes, oh, I said, oh my gosh, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't have seen it because you know, again, I have just enough vision to get me in trouble. Wow. So, so trust you know, my dog, dog. Did, yeah, exactly, trust the dog because the dog is doing his job. So that was that was a real, pardon the pun, uh, eye opener for me after that. So I, I'm so grateful to have my guide dog. Now you doing your triathlon how do you how about the dog? What do you do with the dog, and how does the dog? Or do you have a guide it, runner, a tandem runner? Or? I, I have a guide. I have a guide who guides me for the triathlon. So for the swim, we're tethered at, at uh, around my leg to her leg, and then for the bike, I ride a tandem. She's on the on the front. She's called the pilot, and I'm the stoker who stokes the flame of the fire. Mm-hmm. And so she's in charge of braking, steering, and shifting. And then on the run, we are tethered at my waist by a, like a bungee cord that's about a foot long. And then on the run, she you know run and swim. She talks to me and gives me verbal commands and cues. And tells me about terrain changes, direction changes, things like that, where the other athletes are on the course. She's giving me my heart rate data. She's giving my, my pace data and things like that. So there's a lot of communication. So my guide has to be about 20% faster than me in order to, in order to not only do the race, but also to be able to communicate while racing. Amy, we have to take a quick break to hear from our sponsors. How's that sound? Sounds terrific. We are talking to Amy Dixon, the elite paratriathlete and she's amazing you're listening to blind living radio i'm harley thomas joined in the hp studio with jesse vega we will be right back blind living radio will be right back after these messages blind living radio is supported by industries for the blind in milwaukee wisconsin creating employment opportunities for the blind and visually impaired from coast to coast From Milwaukee, Wisconsin, 
This is Blind Living Radio from Industries for the Blind, providing employment opportunities for blind professionals since 1952. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Blind Living Radio. I'm Harley Thomas in the HP studio with Mr. Jesse Vega. Hello, Jesse. Hi there, Harley. How are you? I am doing great. And let's not forget, we have Miss Amy Dixon on the phone with us, paratriathlete and sommelier, right? Yes, indeed. Hi. Hi there. Now, how often do you train, Amy? Uh, two to three times a day. What so is your... I have one more. Actually, I actually have one more training session this afternoon after I'm in bike, uh, but it's just an easy bike. I just got done swimming and lifting weights, and now I'm eating. Uh, eating is the other is the third part of training that nobody talks about, but we eat a lot. <laughs> How many meals do you eat a day? A bunch of small ones. Yeah, I think. I, well, if I'm not training, I'm eating pretty much, or I'm emailing, <laughs> or sleeping. I'm either answering emails and dealing with social media and uh, trying to track down sponsorship and donations and things like that for the Paralympics, or I am or I'm eating. That's pretty much my day. That is a professional athlete's life, isn't it? It is. It is. It's, you know, it's funny. I'm staring at this giant bag of Epsom salts in my apartment that my girlfriend dropped off yesterday. And, uh, you know, when we're not eating, eating, training, or sleeping, we're trying to do recovery, like either in ice baths or hot tubs or, you know, uh, sports massage or acupuncture or cupping or active release therapy. You know, it, it's, it's unbelievable. You know, chiropractic, I, I have compression boots that I sit in at night. And it's just, it's, uh, yeah, it's a full-time job. Wow, I didn't know all that went into it. I had no yes. clue. Jesse probably did. No, I didn't. But mm-hmm. that's, that's amazing. It almost sounds like torture to me, though. But that's only little, because my bit, wife tortured But, you know, me. It, you know, we talk about, there's a great quote from the, she's the world number one triathlete, able-bodied triathlete. Her name is Gwen Jorgensen on the ITU circuit. And she talks about sacrifice versus investment. And I really love that because she doesn't think about the things that she does on a daily basis, like, you know, missing family obligations and all the things that come with being a professional athlete and training for the Olympics and Paralympics. She talks about it as an investment in her sport and an investment in her career and her future. And so I try, when I think of it that way, like that I'm missing out on family obligations or that I'm sore all the time or that I'm hungry all the time, that these are all the, the things that I'm paying into that, that bank account that is my training and getting me closer to the Paralympics. That's my investment in, the, in my future. Amy, your investment in the future, what motivates you? What is your end goal as you get up every morning and do this? What motivates, what, that's a good question. What motivates me? Uh, what, what motivates me is the fact that I'm really honored and blessed to do this. I've been given a gift of having two legs and two arms and sometimes half a brain. And the fact that I can get up every morning and do this, there's people out there that would kill to be able to do what I'm doing. And it's just such a privilege. I almost feel obligated to do it because I, I get to train with a lot of, you know, wounded veterans and, and people that have one incredible story after another. You feel when you meet these people, you can't help but be inspired to get your butt out of bed because, you know, my friend Tom Lee, he's, he's this amazing, uh, amputee, uh, from Hawaii who lost his leg over in Afghanistan and he has, you know, phantom leg pain and, and, you know, he's lost his buddies and his unit and you think of like all the things that he goes through on a daily basis just to be able to get up and train like he does. And I feel like, yeah, have I had 19 surgeries over the last four years and have they been painful? Absolutely. But I feel like I, I almost feel not worthy or I feel like I, I, I'm obligated to do the best I can with what I have given there's people that have, that have harder, you know, more difficulty and harder stories and harder tragedies to overcome that have and are doing it every day. So I feel like if I've been given this gift, it's, it's, it's 
silly to squander it and not not use it. Sounds like you are yeah. putting that to great use. Yeah, yeah, I'm trying. <laughs> Amy, when's your next big competition? When's well, the next we competition just had the Continental up? Championships down in Sarasota, Florida, last weekend, where I took a silver medal for the U.S. Which Congratulations. Was great. So, Congratulations! Thank you. So that got me one step closer to Rio uh, this summer. We'll know what the final selection is going to be um, July 1st. They will announce the team going to, going to Rio. I do have one more race that I'm going to be doing probably in Yokohama, Japan uh, on May 15th. And then after that, I may do another just get the kinks out race in France with another guide that I'm training. Because my current guide, she's amazing, but in case she gets hurt, I need to make sure I have a backup. So I have another guide. Her name is Jillian Peterson from Seattle, Washington. So she and I need to do sort of a practice race together. So we may go there together. And then we've got World Championships in Rotterdam in July. And then we head to Rio in September. That is like a whirlwind travel. That makes me tired just thinking about it, Amy. And that's only a quarter of the travel that I'm doing. I'm doing a lot of public speaking. You know, USA Blind Athletes Association, I'll be heading out to the Children's Center for the Visually Impaired in Kansas City, Missouri next month. I'm doing something at the White House. I've got uh, you know a lot of other things. I'm the vice president of the Glaucoma Eyes Organization, and our goal is to help have patient advocates for glaucoma patients in major eye hospitals around the world. So that's my baby, and that's my passion is there. And so I, I try to invest a lot of time there where I can and go meet with different pharmaceutical companies and try to, you know, help new glaucoma patients learn about their disease. So that's really my goal after Rio is to really focus on uh, the glaucoma aspect and see where I can help best as far as preventable blindness. That sounds awesome. You are one busy lady with a great mission in your life, I think. Mm -hmm. For sure. I have admiration for you. Jesse, what are you thinking? Amy, you sound amazing and congratulations and I hope you do well in your future competitions. If Thank you, you. I appreciate that. If you can, let us know how you com- you know how you finish and if you, you, know, you can. I will. I will. Results. You can follow me also on Facebook, Amy Dixon Blind Athlete, and um, also I have a website, AmyDixonUSA.com. That was and, the uh, question I was yep. going to say. I bet we can follow her on the web. That'd be great. Yep. AmyDixonUSA.com. Yep. So that is what we're going to do. We're going to put her in our follow-up file, Jesse. Great. I'd like to. We could have a follow-up call after Rio. Do you have a Facebook? You, you have a Facebook page? Do you have a? Twitter I do. Page, it's, you know? Yep, it's Amy Dixon, blind athlete. Okay. Is, is uh, my Facebook page. Sounds great, Amy. I appreciate you taking some time with us to inspire the audience. Sounds like you can Thank do anything. You. You've put your mind to it, and you've done amazing things. I've been very, very blessed to have some amazing supporters and friends cheerleading me along the way, yourself included. So thank you. Now you've got thousands more cheering you on with Blind Living Radio. I want to thank you for taking time with us, Amy. Jesse, thank Thank you you. for being in the studio with me today. Thank you, Harley. Nala, thank you. She says okay. She's (laughs) wagging her tail. (laughs) You've been listening to Blind Living Radio. We'll talk to everybody next week. Thank you. Thanks for listening to and supporting Blind Living Radio. You can support Industries for the Blind by ordering any of our products from blind-made.com. That's blind-made.com. Blind Living Radio is brought to you by HP ink and toner cartridges, precision engineered to work together with your HP printer. Hi, this is Amy Dixon, and you're listening to Blind Living Radio, and you can follow me as a blind athlete on my road to Rio at www.amydixonusa.com. 